1: For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning.
2: Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. I got like 45 minutes to an hour to go here before I gotta get the hell out of here and rush out of here for a flight. Somehow, some way, I don't even know why. My pre-check isn't working. I don't know how or why on my boarding pass. I emailed TSA, I tried calling them. Out of nowhere, it's just not showing up. And they said there's some error, whatever, on the United app. I don't know, man, but now I got to go back with the plebeians and, and wait in that line. You know, T, you have TSA pre-check, Nick. It's got to be, in my opinion, the greatest investment I may have ever made. No, I do
1: not. And I'm dating somebody who works in the airline industry and she keeps telling me to do it. And I always neglect to do it. And I just wait and wait and wait in line.
2: <laughs> it's not even just the not waiting in line that I love about the pre-check. It's the not taking off the shoes. It's the not worrying about taking all of your devices out and putting them in different bins these are like, you know, the simplest rich, rich person problems. Third, what are they called? First world problems. But I don't know, man, when you're trying to rush into a flood, you know, the anxiousness that comes with any time you're traveling on in the airport. You're like, am I going to miss this? Oh, what they say. Boarding is closed at this time. And it's like, ah, oh, crap. The Uber's taking a while. Oh, no, this and that. And it's like you're just rushing around and it just gives you a little bit of peace of mind when you have the pre-check. So it is what it is. I'm very angry right now at, at, at TSA. But let's get into what we're doing here today which is a snapshot of the entire NFL draft. We're going to go team by team in alphabetical order, and it's not going to be a deep dive like we did on the Eagles. It's not going to be a deep dive like we did on the Cowboys or the Washington football team. We're going to give our overall thoughts, though, on their drafts, on their philosophies, on what they accomplished, and on their individual picks. So without further ado, Nick, let's dive right into this thing with the Arizona Cardinals. So I'll go over their draft class you could give your early thoughts and then I'll dive into mine and we could keep it quick with every team. So we're going to get through all 28. We haven't featured. And so they traded their first round pick to acquire Marquise Brown, a player who has a rapport with Kyler Murray dating back to their time at Oklahoma. And because, well, they had an idea probably that Deandre Hopkins was going to get a six game suspension. So without a first round pick, they came back around in the second round and took another weapon, Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado state. Then, with two round three picks, they took two defensive edge guys in Cameron Thomas and Majai Sanders. Now, Thomas may go inside. Who knows? But these guys both prof- fit a similar exact same length profile that I want to get to and talk about with you. Because I believe it's a nice fit for Van Joseph's system. And then they come back, and they don't have much left for day three. They have just two sixth-round picks, two seventh-round picks. They take Kayanti Ingram, the run- the running back out of USC, who's just kind of like a size-speed a uh, specimen, but may never be anything. Lucinda Smith, who is the old lineman out of Avatek, who actually had some like buzz to go earlier in this draft and just didn't. And then Christian Matthew, no clue who that is, at a cornerback out of, out of uh, I can't even, I don't know where, but he's 6'4", 200, is just a bet on traits type guy. Jesse Lukito, linebacker out of Penn State, who I actually ha- heard some buzz about too, didn't get a chance to watch. And then Marquise Hayes, an offensive lineman at Oklahoma, who's probably never going to make this roster. What are your thoughts on this draft class and some of the picks they made? So trading your first round pick for Marquise Brown is a lot
1: different than the Eagles trading their first round pick for AJ Brown. Marquise Brown is like 165 pounds. I don't even think he's five foot 10. And I think it's a good fit for him teaming up with his old college quarterback. But I don't think that's necessarily a wise investment when you're going to have to pay this guy. And I know it's kind of counter from what we said last podcast or two podcasts ago about the Eagles, but those are just wildly different players. So I really didn't love that. Trey McBride doesn't make that much sense to me either I get Zach Ertz is old you have Max Williams I like Trey McBride but this is also a team that runs a lot of 10 personnel so I'm a little bit like could you have made another pick that would have had a bigger impact on your roster I think he's a good player like like I said I'm much higher on McBride than you are it's just with the Arizona Cardinals but your first pick you go in that direction I didn't necessarily really love this draft I think Marquise Hayes I haven't watched him but I know Brendan Thorne is really high on him and people who are offensive line gurus really talk about. So maybe that's good value there in the seventh round. I've watched Jesse Lucchetta. He's a versatile player who can play defensive line linebacker edge. I think Vance Joseph, he's a good defensive mind to kind of bring that player into, but on the whole, I really didn't love this draft for the Arizona
2: Cardinals. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay. Their draft because I think watching them last year, what really hurt them was their offense at the end. And that's because Hopkins got hurt. AJ Green is a show of himself. And they just didn't simply have weapons in my mind. But that's not the only reason their offense struggled. And that's what I want to get to. They used their first two assets on Brown and McBride. But as Steve Smith broke down on NFL Network when he kind of bitched his ass, and was, I felt bad for the guy. He's like, Marquise Brown is doesn't have the dog in him. He can't beat mess, uh, uh, press man coverage on the outside. He essentially called him a gadget player, like someone who just can't beat press man on the outside. And so that doesn't necessarily give me good feeling about these two weapons. And McBride to me, again, we've talked at length about him. I'm not so sure I'll step on the field, especially in this system. And I do like that they have a type at edge or like on this defensive line in this front that fits Vance Joseph. And both these guys are like 6'5", 260, 6'5", I heard good things about Cameron Thomas. Didn't get a chance to watch him. People love Majai Sanders at a since he's, he's a freak athletically. So maybe they can just figure it out. I have trust in Vance Joseph. But I just think over and over, this team continues to neglect the offensive line. And to me, that's what made Kyler so special at Oklahoma. He had a really good offensive line. That was the best offensive line Oklahoma had, you know, in a long time. And so as they continue to neglect the offensive line, with the exception of signing Will Hernandez, which obviously is neglect in its own right, I just feel like this team is taking a big risk. And they could have done some things to address the offensive line they didn't. All right, let's move to Atlanta. The Falcons, a draft I actually liked. I'm curious to get your take. They start off with Drake London, who I'm actually not a big fan of at all. But then Arnold Ebichetti at 38. I love that pick for Ebichetti. I mean, for the Falcons here, they needed Edge Rusher in the worst way. And to me, he is a borderline first round player. I really think he should have been a first round player. Then Troy Anderson at a Montana State. I actually thought he was one of the linebackers on my target list for the Giants. He's big, he's athletic, he moves really well in space. It's just a projection for me, but I think that he could eventually be like a nice three down. Rangey linebacker there. Two really good guys to add to that second level, depending on what they play. I'm not actually sure what Atlanta's moving to right now defensively. Then they come back in round three and get Desmond Ritter, who's a quarterback out of Cincy. A lot of people thought was the number one quarter in back in this class. D'Angelo Malone, the edge out of Western Kentucky with their other third-round pick. A lot of people like him, six foot four, two thirty. He's a little bit undersized, but people love his game, Malone, and I'm curious to get your take. And then I wasn't a big fan of Algiers tape, and I just think he's a nothing athlete that's going to struggle at the next level. But I will say this about Algier. And this reminded me of when Jordan Howard was drafted out of Indiana when he transferred from UAB and went to Indiana and then fit really well in that wide zone scheme in Indiana. And then the the Bears drafted him to play in the exact same run scheme, and he did well. And Algier is going to play in that exact same run scheme with Arthur Smith in Atlanta. So, I have a feeling this could maybe work out better than than the player actually is. And then Justin Schaefer, offensive lineman out of Georgia in round six, and John Fitzpatrick, the tight end out of Georgia in round six. What are your thoughts on the Falcons draft class? I like their draft class.
1: I think adding Drake London with Kyle Pitts is going to be problematic for some defenses in terms if those sure. defenses don't have bigger defensive backs to really account for that. I think the Falcons might suck this year. I love the fact that they got Desmond Ritter in the third round because that doesn't necessarily prevent you – from selecting a quarterback in the first round next year you needed to add edge rushers to this defense to help dean pease the defensive coordinator you got arnold abichetti and d'angelo malone to pair with lorenzo carter who you signed to a cheap deal in free agency troy anderson developmental middle linebacker you can use on offense because he was a quarterback and a running back if you really want to get creative at montana state and then john Fitzpatrick was a georgia tight end who was one of the better blocking tight ends in college football. So you can just kind of add that to this Atlanta Falcons offense to try to bolster your rushing attack. That's now you have Tyler Algier, who can, I guess, help that out along with Cordero Patterson. And I believe they signed Damian Williams too in free agency. So I I like the draft. I think it's just setting up for them in the future, because I don't believe they're going to be a good football team this year.
2: Yeah, I think you nail that I do really like this draft. And Fitzpatrick, one of the rare frame guys, like 6'7, he he has the frame to actually be a good blocker versus some of these guys like that I keep hearing, oh, this guy's gonna be a good blocker at some point at 6'3 or 6'4. I'm just not sold on it. And and you know, when I watched like just for example, like Trey McBride, I was just just a, this is such a stupid thing, Nick. But when I watched him in his draft party and then I saw something on NFL Network, his frame to me doesn't really look too much different than Evan Ingram's when he came out. I know it's different to some extent. But, like, he's a little bit thicker, especially in his base. But, I don't know, upper body, that frame doesn't look to me like a tight end who's just blocking down and being some kind of asset as a blocker um, on the line of scrimmage. I don't really see many tight ends coming into the NFL and being assets as blockers on the line of scrimmage unless you have, like, that John Fitzpatrick-type frame. And we'll see if he can eventually, like, translate into anything worth using. But, I don't know, I get very skeptical of tra- of these tight ends translating to the NFL. It's just a position I'm, I'm, I'm not – I'm not huge on unless you're banking on traits, and that's something the Giants did, and we're, we'll talk about that in depth more. Let's get to the next class, the Baltimore Ravens, one of my favorite draft classes in this entire draft. I believe you feel the same way, Nick. Kyle Hamilton at 14, a player who you love, player who I love too. I just didn't really want a safety that high for the Giants. Tyler Lindenbaum at 25. I didn't really think that he perfectly fits the system, but they must feel like it doesn't matter. Cause he's so athletic and he's just, they just for their, what they're going to want to do, which is run the ball a lot, play a lot of zone read with, with uh, Lamar Jackson, it fits. And what they did is they picked up this pick from trading Marquise Brown, who, like you said, was going to have to get paid soon off that rookie deal. Now they just do what smart teams do. They put it back on the offensive line. They invest in the trenches and they got a four year cheap deal for Linderbaum. Then Dave, David Jabo at 45 overall. I know you're going to like that one too. The upside's crazy. There, six foot five, two hundred and fifty, might end up being one of the better edges when all when all said and done. Joins his position coach, I believe, who came over from Michigan to the Ravens, which obviously speaks volumes there too. Travis Jones at sixty six overall, man, Nick, I remember you talking about him as an option potentially for not not for the unit one for the Giants, but saying he could be in that range at thirty to forty range. Had so much buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl. I tend to see these interior guys fall a lot and. Even though obviously the, the, the football team took math Mathis, what 30 something picks before Travis Jones, who a lot of people think is a better player. Then Daniel Falf, I don't know how to pronounce this one. So I'm not even gonna try play the <laughs> offensive lineman out of Minnesota. Oh I mean, six foot nine, three eighty in the fourth round. I love it. They're betting on trades here. They're like, can we do another Orlando Brown here? I just are we gonna find our next Orlando Brown? Then Jalen Armor Davis, the corner out of Bama, who a lot of people like for the Giants. Again, just betting on a Bama cornerback who was a five-star recruit, has some traits. They kept it going. Charlie Kohler, the tight end at Iowa State, who he liked. I even liked them taking Jordan Stout, the punter out of PSU, out of Penn State, because my Penn State friends, were like, like my Penn State friends were telling me, like, this dude's actually better than the punt God If you look at, like, punts inside the five, punts inside the ten, percentage of that, he's way higher. He's a kickoff specialist, can kick long field goals. So I like them doing that, too. They got your boy, Isaiah Likely, uh, their other fourth-round pick for a move tight end. Why not at this point? Then Damarian Williams, the corner out of Texas, and Tyler Batty, a lot of people liked as a running back sleeper. So just an insanely loaded class here with value picks that fell to them, building through the trenches at times, and just betting on traits at times, too. Just so much to work with here in this class.
1: Yeah, it's my favorite class in the entire draft. I mean, when you get Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Lindenbaum, and people are like, Linderbaum, yeah, he doesn't fit because they like to run gap power. Trust me, Greg Roman is going to find a way to kick Linderbaum out into space and lead block for Lamar Jackson, and that's going to be very dangerous. And then you go and you add more depth to your tight end room with Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely, guys that you can move around, guys that you can line in line if you really want to. And this team also likes to run a lot of 12 13 personnel you had Nick Boyle I think was on the roster for another year he's a good blocker I think those guys are going to have an impact in year one Daniel Fialele he's somebody that you can possibly have to be groomed as a right tackle, and they brought in Morgan Moses in free agency. I think Fialele, if he develops, this is a coaching staff that has developed players like this. That makes a lot of sense. That you knew they were going to make an investment in the defensive tackle. They wanted Jordan Davis, supposedly. They get Travis Jones. You have Jalen Armour Davis, who can kind of learn under another Alabama Crimson Tide cornerback and Marlon Humphrey. I just think they absolutely nailed it. And then Beatty is somebody that you can definitely use on passing situations. He's just a really kind of smaller scat type of back who had plenty of big plays in college at Missouri so this was my favorite draft I mean I think it's a lot of people's favorite draft they address so many different needs and they also got two three absolute studs once a job
2: gets yeah. back from that injury it's insane. Still, the, all the depth that they got in this, they still got the three studs too. And you didn't even get to two tight ends. So I think both made your top five. I know likely did. And I'm, I, Kohler might've been just outside of, but it, but he was on both our sleeper lists. It's just like insane what they did here. They've added so much depth. There's so much competition on the roster. So young with talent and three studs. It's crazy. Let's get to the bills class here though. The former disciple, Brandon Bean, Joe Shane's, uh, you know, firsthand man. They start this draft with Kyra Elam, a player I bet the Giants would have been interested if the Bills didn't take him and he fell. The corner out of Florida, 6'2, 193, a lot of potential, you know, man coverage upside at the next level, an aggressive player. At 63 overall, they take James Cook, a player who the Giants were obviously interested in, brought for a top 30 visit. Some people thought he'd fall all the way to round three, or maybe even day three, round four if he was if people were lucky. I guess in the NFL, that's just never going to happen for a guy with his Camaro-like upside. The Bills have since said they see him as a sub-back, but don't view that as a knock on him because they went hard to try to sign J.D. McKissick. And as Brandon Bean said, there's a difference between backs who have receiving upside, a.k.a. I'm not going to say his name, but there are a lot of backs who, quote-unquote, should be good receivers. And he didn't mention this. This is me mentioning this, Nick. (laughs) But he said there's actual guys who just have an incredible feel. For zone and from where to sit down in zone, an incredible feel for where to get how to get open, like a McKissick. And he's like, James Cook is one of those rare types. I think he's right on that. I think you know, there's been a lot of running backs build as these potential high end receivers, like even like a Brees Hall in this class. There's a difference between watching Brees Hall and James Cook when they're out running routes and trying to find space. So then they come back with Terrell Bernard, a linebacker out of Baylor, who I don't know too much about, Khalil Shakur in round five, who a lot of people liked as a sleeper. I don't totally see it, but I do think there is some interesting things. When you watch him, they get him the ball in space, and he does seem to have like good vision and ability to like set the blocks up and and do a lot, work a lot with you know work a lot as a post catch type of guy. Then the punt god, Matt Ariza in round six. Christian Benford, a corner out of Villanova, in round six. Luke Tanuda, offensive lineman out of Vatek, six foot nine. That's interesting. Round six, and then Bail Inspector, linebacker out of Clemson. What do you think of the Bills' draft class? I like
1: Bill's draft class, man. Did you see the video going around Twitter of Kyrie Elam's combine interview with the Buffalo Bills front office?
2: Yeah, that was freaking awesome. The notes he takes.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's the one thing they really need. They lost Levi Wallace, who signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you look at this roster, man, it's it's pretty damn complete. They don't really need a lot of things. And you, if you had to say one thing, it's like they needed a starting cornerback opposite of Trey White. They found that in Elam, who I think will fit their scheme. I think he, somebody like I said in the past, he can clean up his tackling, but in terms of coverage, he's very, very good at that. James Cook, another offensive weapon, running back position might've been another one of those needs. I think Devin Singletary is fine, but you need a compliment to him. And Zach Moss has kind of been hit or miss. So I love the fact that they added James Cook. Bernard, he's an athletic linebacker. I think a lot of these bills linebackers are going to be free agents in the coming years. So I figured they would make an investment. A lot of teams draft for their needs for the next year, not just this current year. It's a way you can kind of replenish your roster. And I love the fact that they added Shakur, a really good route runner in the short to intermediate parts of the field can also, you know, run uh, vertical routes, but he's more precise and not
2: necessarily a burner. I think they had a really, really good draft. Yeah. This is another team with a really, really good draft. All right, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers who, Obviously didn't have that many picks based on trades like trading for Sam Darnold. The trade just continue to haunt them, um, even in this draft. But they did have the sixth overall pick. Despite being one of the worst teams, they <laughs> didn't pick again until ninety-four, which just sucks. But they took a Ken McQuanu. Obviously, we talked a lot about him. Then Matt Corral at ninety four overall with their next pick in round three. Brandon Smith in the fourth round at one twenty overall. You've talked a little bit about him. I feel like, like you said, you didn't like him when he was rejected in that day two early range, but at 120, it's decent, you know, decent kind of traits to bet on here. Amari Barno, D-lineman out of Tech. I don't know anything about at 189. Cade Mays, offensive lineman at Tennessee, heard a little bit about, uh, but, and he's 6'6", 325, so that intrigues me for sure. And Kalon Barnes, the corner out of Baylor, who I don't know much about either, but I know he was the fastest player at the Combine. So maybe it's just another bet on traits pick here at 242 overall. Yeah,
1: this is all about traits. Matt Corral, that's going to be a traits pick or just a high upside pick in the sense that he's coming from a RPO-heavy system that's not necessarily translatable in the NFL. But he could realistically start because Sam Darnold's not all that good. And then you bet on the traits of Brandon Smith, excellent athlete at the linebacker position, needs work on a lot of other things. You bet on the traits of Amari Barno. He was the fastest edge at the combine. Bet on that, very quick first step. Can definitely get up the pass rushing art and Kalen Barnes, all about the traits. So this is a traits type of draft for a team that, isn't more than likely, isn't going to be all that great next year. And they didn't have that many picks. So, you know, I I, I can't knock the draft because of all the bad decisions that they made in the past, kind of put them in this situation, but they were able to get yeah. guys who could have an impact early on if they develop. So I think it's an okay draft.
2: Some people loved Matt Corral before this year, man. A lot of people were like, can the giants take Matt Corral? I've watched a little bit of Corral, not enough to make a educated guess or educated statement, I should say here, but he does have a nice quick release. I don't know, just an interesting player, and maybe he can save them, but I, it's, it's an outlier. The, these guys usually don't hit, so this class looks like it could be pretty sad. Um, we move on to Chicago, who didn't pick until the second round, and they picked Kyler Gordon, obviously because they we had their first-round pick. They picked Kyler Gordon, the corner out of Washington, at 39 overall. I would have said I wonder if the Giants were super interested in him, but the Giants traded back from 36, so it's not if like they really loved him, they wouldn't have traded back. I liked him. I think he's a nice fit for man coverage. We'll see. He played, he played more zone at Washington. Then Jaquan Brisket, 48 overall player. Both you and me love Nick. I think he can play both ways. a safety, Felix Jones at 71 overall. It's one of the craziest picks of the draft. It just shows like how insane that wide receiver run was, you know, at 71, they were targeting receiver for, for fields. And then just like, Oh my God, is this all that's left? It was only 23 picks later. And just like a, every possible decent receiver was just like, it's just stripped off the board. Just one of the most crazy things. Vilas Jones, like, yeah, like he's a somewhat of a sleeper and he has some like nice, he has a nice skill set, but he's 25 years old and he was never going to go before round five in any other type of draft. So it is what it is. I think all the receivers, it's hard to gauge them on a value standpoint because of the run. Braxton Jones, an offensive lineman, six foot seven, three ten, at uh, uh, in the fifth round. Dominique Robinson, a defensive lineman, in the fifth round. Two guys I don't know much about. Maybe you can help there. Zachary Thomas, offensive lineman, 300", in the sixth round. And then they got a bunch of these sixth round picks. Tristan Ebner, running back, out of Baylor. Doug Kramer, out of Illinois. You actually heard of he's. I've heard he's pretty good. But he's six two, which is weird. Uh, Jatir Carter, an offensive lineman. lot Eli- Eli- These are just like you know the new GM Ryan Poles putting his stamp on this with offensive lineman Elijah Hicks, a safety. Trenton Gill, a punter. What are your thoughts on this draft class?
1: I wish they invested a little bit more in skilled position players, but I'm not surprised when you bring in a defensive coach like Matt Eberflus that he went and he wanted to fix the defense with two secondary pieces and Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. Like you said, Velas Jones, he's an older prospect, a USC transfer into Tennessee, has good speed, but Justin Fields isn't really set up for great success in year one or I mean in year two. I liked the addition of Dominique Robinson. I saw a little bit of him, not a whole lot, but from what I've seen, he was somebody who flashed. He had a solid senior bowl as well at six foot five, 253 pounds, just to bolster the edge Russian group for Matt Eberfluss. But other than that, I mean, this this is a ho-hum draft for me, mainly because you, you didn't really get a lot of talent to surround Justin Field with, but I'm not surprised by those first two picks.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: Yeah, me either. I think they did well with those first eight picks value wise, but it's just like, I don't know (laughs) if I draft Justin Fields, right? And I see how bad his offensive line was in year one. And I see how bad really his skill players were. And then I lose Allen Robinson to free agency. I'm just not approaching my draft like this. I'm trading back and I'm figuring out ways to get some kind. And it was tough because of how the receivers ran here. I get it. But it just feels like maybe they could have taken an offensive lineman then. Like, they wait until 168 to take their first offensive lineman. And I know he's he's been known, like, Poles is known for, like, finding offensive linemen late with the Chiefs. Like, that was one of his calling cards. He's a former offensive lineman, I think. I'm pretty sure. But it just feels like those guys are risky bats, Nick. And I just don't like where this offense, if you have Justin Fields, this just seems like malpractice to put him in front of this offensive line next year and with those skill guys. We'll move on to the Bengals. The surprising AFC champions last year, Joe Burrow, baby. Daxton Hill at 31. Nick and me love, Nick and me love that pick, obviously. Cam Taylor, Britt, a Nick Filato favorite at 60 overall. So they really just said, we saw an upgrade in it. We saw a breakout, really, for our secondary last year. We're not done. Let's keep pumping talent into it with Hill and Britt. And then Zachary Carter, defensive lineman at 95 overall. Very Bengals-like pick, in my opinion. Cordo Volson at 136. Uh and uh North Dakota State and offensive linemen, six seven, so that helps. Tyson Anderson, who actually saw some hype, a safety out of Toledo, six two, two, ten, has a nice frame and kind of another bet on traits. And Jeffrey Gunter, it's funny because the Bengals simply like my dad used to say the Bengals every draft would just sit there and take the best player available based on the consensus big board. And it worked for them. Like he's like, it would always work for them. Why don't more teams do this? They always just sit there and do it. And they never trade back, it feels like. They never trade up, it feels like. They're just kind of there, and they do the same thing year after year. What are your thoughts on this class? I'm so interested to see what they do with Daxton Hill because they have Mike Hilton,
1: who's was former Pittsburgh Steelers. That guy's a strict slot. So are you going to use Daxton Hill as a safety with Jesse Bates on that franchise tag? Is, is Daxton Hill the replacement for Jesse Bates? Because I really hope the Bengals, who are typically a very frugal type of organization, I really hope that they sign... Jesse Bates, because I think Jesse Bates, and we we talked about this when the Bengals sucked. I think he's one of the better defensive backs in the National Football League. That was actualized last year. So I'm really curious to see how they use Daxon Hill, but he's a great football player, and I trust Lou Anarumo to use him and Cam Taylor Britt. Like the fact that they invested in Zach Carter, who is a big long defensive end type. You can also kick inside out of Florida. Tyson Anderson, another safety that you can bring in. I don't know what that says about Jesse Bates, but this is a size speed type of guy at 6'2, about 210 pounds. I think this was a solid overall draft and uh, they only made one pick on the offensive line. That was Cordell Bolson out of North Dakota state. I don't know too much about him, but I do like that. They at least are investing in the offensive line, despite signing several people to help Joe Burrow in the free agent period.
2: Right. I think that's the key there. They did do a lot of their work in free agency with Lell Collins and Alex Kappa to locked in starters. So they had the luxury of not having to go line and they still did the smart thing and drafted one to develop. They didn't say, all right, we'll completely miss it. Like, you know, we've seen the Giants do in the past. you got to at least put something into it. I feel like every year, and I know you agree with me on that. Um, but also bolstering that second, I really feel like this team is is on the right track. There. <laughs> I really like this team to continue to be good this year. Um, let's move on to the Browns in an interesting spot because obviously they traded to get Deshaun Watson, lost some capital there. That's going to help their team a lot. And then their draft started with Martin Emerson, the corner out of Mississippi State. He's got the traits, 6'2", 200. A lot of people think the hip fluidity could be an issue at the next level. Is the speed an issue? I didn't love this pick. Moving on, Alex Wright, the linebacker out of UAB. Another traits-based pick here, 6'7", 270. I'm curious to get your take on him. I don't know much. David Bell at 99 overall. I know you're going to like that. I like that, too. We just believe in David Bell and his ability to get open. Perrion Winfrey at 108 overall. I know Winfrey, some people thought, was an absolute steal. A lot of people wanted the Giants to get him right away in this range. He goes off the board at 140 uh 108. Cade York kicker at LSU. That to me was a very weird one. <laughs> 124, but whatever. I guess you believe in him being really good. Jerome Ford running back out of Cincy. Love this pick for them at 156 overall. I think he has serious upside at the next level. Home run type hitter. Really fun to watch him and, and has the build I like. 5'11 220. Like that's the load of the ground. But but thick build that that really works at running back a lot. Michael Woods, receiver out of Oklahoma. Don't know much about Isaiah Thomas, the D line out of Oklahoma, and they wrap up their draft with Dawson Deaton, who I had heard some people liked. Um, the six foot six, three ten offensive lineman at Texas Tech. I don't know what your thoughts are on him or any of these other picks. Let's get to that now.
1: So, do we include Deshaun Watson in this? Like we we include AJ Brown, even though this wasn't done on draft day. Yeah, I guess that's probably the fair thing to do. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a first and second round pick. Look, I didn't get to see a a lot of Martin Emerson. I've heard good things. I've heard bad things. So I'm going to reserve my judgment there. But Alex Wright, he's a gigantic edge who can set the edge really well, a little bit stiff. He's not going to bend, but he has some power moves and just more of a developmental pick. But I like the fact that they added a lot of these big, long guys to kind of play with Miles Garrett when you put Alex Wright on the other side, and then you throw Perry and Winfrey in there at three technique with his quick first step and the amount of upside that he has just because he was playing nose at Oklahoma. I think he was probably better fit at three technique. I don't mind that. I think David Bell is a good precise route runner who isn't all that explosive, isn't all that sudden, but understands how to get open. You pair him with Anthony Schwartz, who's a little bit more explosive, a little bit more sudden. And then obviously Amari Cooper and the big body of Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think that receiving core is starting to come together solidly. And then Jerome Ford, I just like the fact that they added this incredibly explosive and fast running back to pair with Nick Chubb in the backfield for Cleveland. I think, again, this is an okay draft. I don't think it's elite or anything like that but they they added some pieces that i feel like can have an impact early and they're just trying to form the identity of what they want to do on the defensive line and maintain it because they lost some defensive line pieces from last season
2: right and that's the key here i I like this class just because of that because i didn't think they needed to do too much else there they got amari cooper for nothing it was one of the biggest steals of the entire offseason you lose a fifth round pick that most of the time amounts to nothing and some cap space that they had to burn anyway for a player like that thought it was amazing by them And so that's a big factor. In addition to the Sean Watson, as you mentioned, they didn't really have too much to do. Their secondary is good. They have Ward, one of the best corners in the NFL. So I just feel like they were in a position to have this kind of draft where they can build through the trenches like they did for the most part here. Um, And then also get a couple guys that can impact the passing game like Bell and Emerson. All right, let's move on to the doubt. Oh, no, no, sorry. We did the Cowboys already. Let's move on to the Denver Broncos, a team that we can include Russell Wilson because he's part of this. At 64 overall, they take Nick Benito. As we talked about Benito in the pre-draft process, I am definitely curious if he'll ever be a full-time player. But in my opinion, without a doubt, the best edge bend in this class, which is really in something that could help you right away on day one. They put him in on third downs, they shoot him around the edge. He's got burst. He's got edge bend. He could help that defense on key passing downs. Greg Dolchich at number 80 overall. Love that pick for them. Absolutely love that pick. I thought Dolchich was, in my opinion, the best, the tight end I would bet on more than anyone in this class by far, because he actually has traits in my mind that can translate right away. As a receiver, there's not as much projection there. I don't care about the blocking because I don't think any of these top tight ends were going to be amazing blockers. And now he gets Russell Wilson, who's made careers out of tight ends a lot less talented than Greg Dolchich. So I'm so happy about that fit. Damari Mathis, the safety at a pit at 115, I don't know much about. I'm curious if you have anything there. They get a traits guy from Iowa State, Ioma Uruzakar <laughs> the six foot six three twenty D lineman at Iowa State. Another safety, this time out of Oklahoma at one fifty two. The Lauren Turner Yell, Montrell Washington, receiver out of Samford. Don't know much about Luke Waterberg. I had heard a little bit about him, offensive lineman out of Washington. Maybe can play center for them. Matt Henningsen out of Wisconsin. Go check a look at take, go take a look at Matt Henningsen's RAS score and is is mock draftable. One of the most insane athletes in this class. 6'3", 291. Obviously the tape wasn't as good there. And then Fayon Hicks, another Badger at seven uh, with their two hundred thirty two second pick at seventh over uh, in the seventh round. Undersized cover guy, but not a bad corner. Not a bad corner. Let's keep that in mind. Um, all right, what are your thoughts on this draft? Yeah, so this draft class, I
1: love the fact because obviously they didn't have the first round pick they gave it to the Seattle Seahawks for Russ you get Nick Benito I think that's going to be one of those situational pass rushers early on Greg Dolchik somebody who can stretch the seam and do a lot of different things for you from a receiving standpoint and then it was just a bunch of developmental depth pieces it seemed like which is fine when you're talking about round four round five round six a lot of these guys I haven't seen so I don't know too much about uh, the kid from Iowa State or the kid from Oklahoma or the kid from Washington. But I do think Henning Singh is definitely an interesting player that you can align in a many different spots on the defensive line at about, what is he, like 280 280- five pounds, 290 pounds, something like that. And Damari Mathis is a versatile safety slash cornerback. You can use him as a slot defender. You could do a lot of different things with them. And you pair him with, you know, Justin Simmons. They have Kareem Jackson. And then obviously you have Pat Sertan on the outside. It's just kind of forming this defense with the new defensive coordinator coming in at their Vic Fangio. I believe it's Evero, I think is his last name. I don't really know much about him. So I'm interested to see how all these pieces are used within that system. But overall, I think it's a solid draft and a very good draft when you include the fact that they got Russell Wilson.
2: Yeah, and it's no surprise to me the team that won by betting on Von Miller's edge Ben is the team that landed Benito, and it's no surprise to me the team that has Russell Wilson is the team that landed Dolchich. I really like where they're headed with Russell Wilson. Time will tell. The Giants were supposedly in the market for Wilson, never actually surfaced when John Mara said it's not happening. I can understand why the Giants didn't do it. I think the Denver Broncos are further along, potentially, not too much further, in my opinion, roster-wise, but I guess, quote-unquote, further along. I'm interested to see if they can win right away because they added some guys that can help them now. All right, let's get to the Lions. Aiden Hutchinson at number two. Dan Campbell couldn't have walked that pick up faster. I'm sure the NFL was like, dude, can't you pull, give me at least give me a Dave Gettleman with Saquon Barkley and waited the five minutes? Like He waited like less than the Barkley time to get that pick in. He just This is a perfect Dan Campbell guy, Aiden Hutchinson. Then they trade up and give up a lot of assets to get Jamison Williams. That's at 12 overall, the wide receiver at Alabama. Josh Paschal, the edge out of Kentucky at 46. I know you liked him. They're my favorite pick in this class. Well, they they went back to back with picks. I really liked Nick Kirby Joseph, the safety out of Illinois, loved him at 97 overall. He's a player. I probably would have wanted the Giants to take over Cordell Flott. to be completely honest here. Um, Just incredible range from that safety position came on late. I don't see that as a bad thing. I think that means he's going to get even better. Love this pick for them. And then James Mitchell at 177 overall, if this guy doesn't get hurt, this tight end from Virginia Tech. He's gonna be drafted a lot earlier than this. And I think he can play, you know, outplay his draft position there. Malcolm Rodriguez, pretty solid pick there after that 188. James Houston, the linebacker to Jackson State, and then Chase Lucas. What do you make of this Lions class? It might be one of my favorites. I like the aggressiveness that
1: Brad Holmes showed by trading up to get Jameson Williams who come away on day one with Aiden Hutchinson and Jameson Williams. And all he really gave up was the 32nd pick the 34th pick and then the 66th pick i'd like to actually look at what the vikings got next the vikings also traded back and i think it's also interesting that detroit traded with the vikings the vikings traded with green bay you don't see a lot of interdivision trades all that often as i just think that's an interesting side note but i really like the addition of josh Pascal too you can do a lot of different things with Pascal. he is an interesting build six foot three 268 pounds put him as a four eye. You can put him as a five technique. You can align him on the edge, maybe as a wide nine, but he's not necessarily that. He's more of a strong type of power rusher who's really, really good against the run and a very smart player. Kirby Joseph has all the range. James Mitchell, high upside. Everyone forgot about him because he was injured last season, and I love Malcolm Rodriguez. That could be the steal of the draft. I know he's five foot eleven. I know he's a bit of an outlier, but watch his tape. It really pops out. The inside linebacker
2: from Oklahoma State. So this might be one of my favorite drafts. It's a great class, and not only did they only give up 32, 34, and 66 to move up to 12, they also got back 46. Like This was a weird trade, by the yeah. way. I did not think the value was great. And especially considering where that wide receiver ran, how that went, like if they didn't make this trade and they're sitting there at 32, well, guess what? Now your best receiver is Christian Watson or you take the character chance on George on George Pickens, which they, they So I think they made a good bet here. They bet on how this receiver market was starting to look once Garrett Wilson and Drake London were already off the board and they made a, a wise decision here, I think, to trade up. So one of my favorite classes, too. Maybe the Lions will finally be coming up. Let's get to the Packers here. A lot of people surprised by their day one. I wasn't because I know how the Packers operate. Quay Walker at 22 overall. So happy that they made this pick. I thought he was a I thought if he was on any other team, but Georgia, he would have been talked about as the easy linebacker one prospect and a surefire top 20, top 30 pick. And he ended up going at 22 because, you know, the teams were well aware of if he was on any other team where he could have been the star, he would have been. Devonte Wyatt at 28 out of Georgia. I don't love that. I'm curious to get your take on him. They had character concerns, Six three three fifteen. 315. I know he has flashes that are insane on tape, but I thought the consistency wasn't there. Christian Watson at 34 overall, they traded up. So they gave up a lot of asset, assets to get Watson. Because remember, they gave up Devontae Adams to even have that second first round pick in the first place. But a lot of assets to go get Christian Watson, which to me I'm fine with because I love Watson. So we'll get your take on that. I thought he was one of the best receivers. Uh, you know, he made my top five when we did our receiver preview i think he has more upside than almost anyone in this class sean ryan and nick filato favorite all the way down at 92 overall that is late for sean ryan um if you watch sean ryan like i was just watching some clips he just looks so much like one of these guys the packers hit and hits on that lower body you know what i mean like that lower body base that he has it's so much like elton jenkins to me how they hit on that um obviously jenkins was a way earlier pick but that lower body base that that just I see guys with that thick base, and I'm like, damn, these guys are going to be offensive linemen. 6'5", 320. Romeo Dubes, the wide receiver, the second one they took at 132 overall. I don't know much about him, so I'm curious if you have anything there. Zach Tom, obviously a big blue banter favorite as well, all the way down at 140 overall. Classic Packers. Kingsley and Igbari, the edge who at one point was mocked to the Giants, I think, in like the second round, all the way at 179. Love that pick for them. Terry Carpenter, I don't know much about the safety out of Georgia Tech. Jonathan Ford, D. Lyman out of Miami, don't know much about. Rasheed Walker, you're just betting on traits here at 249 overall. He was a huge recruit, big-time recruit for Penn State. Was never good there, but he's six foot six, three 325. So what's, what, what about that? And then uh, Samori Torre here, the wide receiver. We just talked about how much we like the Lions class. I think given where they were drafting versus the Lions, because the Packers obviously didn't have one overall in every round, I like this class even better. Not to say I don't like the Lions class, but I really like this class. I love
1: this class for three reasons. Sean Ryan in the third round, Zach Tom in the fourth round and Rasheed Walker in the seventh round. Cause you're making that investment that we gushed about Joe Shane, making the investment on offensive linemen. Well, the Packers just did that and they already have a really strong offensive line. And I can see in like two years, you, Something happens to Bakhtiari, something happens to some of these offensive linemen, and you're looking, you see Sean Ryan and Zach Tom in there, and they're playing multiple different positions and they're doing many different things. And I also think Kingsley and Igbar is good value at the fifth round. Somebody who knows how to use his hands, excellent hand usage. He's not the best athlete. He's not gonna bend the edge, but you can align him as a defensive end in an even front whenever you want to kind of get multiple. Cause I know they typically run more odd front type looks. I think Devontae Wyatt is a is an interesting addition. I'm not against it. I think I probably like it a little bit better than maybe you do. He has that quick first step. You have Kenny Clark, who's also a penetrating inside type of guy. I think Devontae Wyatt, you can align him at three technique in certain situations. You pair him with Dean Lowry. He was a little bit more power-based. You have those edge rushers and Preston Smith, who's there. Rashawn Gary, who really came along last year. They drafted Jonathan Garvin out of Miami in the seventh round, who I believe Mm – had a solid impact in year one. And then Christian Watson and Romeo dubs. I also like, I mean, those are upside wide receivers. Dubs was down at the senior bowl. Definitely a fast type of individual. I didn't watch a lot of his college film, but I know he was productive for Nevada, Christian Watson. That's high upside and they didn't get too desperate. When this 22nd pick rolled around and receivers were kind of flying off the board, they trusted and went with Quay Walker, who kind of reminds me a little bit of Devon Campbell in the sense that they are just yeah. long athletic type of linebackers. We'll see how that works out. I love Quay Walker. So overall, I do like this draft. I don't know if I like it better than Detroit's, but I do like this draft a lot.
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's just relative to where they like, draft position. I would agree. Yeah. Detroit definitely came away with a better haul. I mean, look, the Packers have a chance to get an elite defense quick now with Walker and Wyatt in the mix. And then in addition to that, like you said, they've replenished the offensive line that's getting older and still get Christian Watson too. So it's just really strong job by the Packers here in this draft. I thought they did an excellent job. Moving on to the Texans. Um, this to me, oh, well, let's go through it. Derek Stingley at three overall was the big surprise to some, but you know, a lot of people had him as the number one overall prospect, the number one cornerback. And traits-wise, he's in my opinion, one of the better players in this class. Kenyon Green at 15. A lot of people thought that might be early, but they are investing in the offensive line. Jalen Petrie, a big blue banter favorite at 37. John Mechie at 44, a pick I did not like at all. I know you're a bigger fan of Mechie than I am. I just don't love the projection. Christian Harris, another back-to-back Bama pick here. Linebacker at 75. I like this pick a lot. I did not understand why he was just flying under the radar. Then Damian Pierce, who I love at, at 107, the running back out of Florida, Thomas Booker and Edge out of Stanford, Tegan Qu- Quittier- Quittierano, tight <laughs> end out of Oregon State. He's six 6'6", six, two, 260, and then Austin Declis, a lineman out of LSU, another trades guy, six foot 6'6", six, 345. What do you make of this class?
1: I like this class just because you landed Derek Stingley Jr., which obviously you get him at three. It's hard to screw up the third pick, but people have done that in the past, and I think he could be a real difference maker. Lovey Smith, have a plan for Derek Stingley Jr. And I really trust the traits that he possesses. Kenyon Green, you need to be able to establish the run. Your team sucks. You haven't been able to run the football. You need a versatile offensive lineman. Kenyon Green was sitting there. You get him after a trade back so you can accumulate a couple more picks. Do not hate that. I think Kenyon Green is a good football player. Love Jalen Petrie. Like John Mechie, was a little early. Maybe, but there was a wide receiver run, so I'm fine with it, and I believe Nick Casario probably is really dialed into what Nick Saban is doing down there in Alabama, which kind of speaks to Christian Harris as well. That's good value, somebody who needs to develop some better instincts, but he used to be a safety, so it's not too unreasonable that he was a little bit hit or miss with his instincts down there at Alabama. And then I love Damian Pierce in the fourth round. I don't have much on the final three, so yeah. overall, I, I I like this draft. I know there's a lot of people out there who who didn't. I, I saw some grades for it. Oh, it yeah. Was, uh lower and stuff but overall i i like this draft. i think you added some good football players and that's what houston Texans need they need good football players
2: yeah i don't know what the what the negative is their first six picks i think could all be hits there even Mechie, like if they're running i don't know what kind of offensive system they're planning to run there but if they have any like earnhard perkins principles that i think he could be a great fit there i thought he should have went to the patriots thought that was his best bet Mechie, but we'll see what happens there now we get to the colts a team that did not have a lot of draft capital they've traded Carson Wentz and then they traded got some picks back but they still lost some they traded for Matt Ryan gave some picks up there considering what they had to work with here Nick this is I think this is one of the better value classes in the entire draft just value so let's go over it. Alec Pierce at 53 yeah we thought maybe he'd be there in the 70s for the Giants but or there was 66 for the Giants but you know what the receiver run pushed him up I love Alec Pierce. I thought he was a lot better than a lot of these prospects who were taken before him and around him at receiver. Jelani Woods at seventy-three. Bet on traits. Six foot seven, two sixty-five. I understand he's not there yet, and there's some reservations taking him. But it's so rare you get a six foot seven tight end who can move like he can at two sixty-five, and that can be molded. And when you have that frame, to me, it's a big factor at tight end. Bernard Raymond at seventy-seven overall to me is an absolute steal. I get it. There's, I guess, some long-term injury concerns. We've seen this happen with Ojalari, with Kobe Dean, yada yada. I don't care. When you get that, when you when you make that kind of jump from tight end to tackle and put together that type of season, first time playing it, I think you're going to be great. Nick Cross at 96. Damn, I'm pissed about that one. I wanted the Giants to get Nick Cross. Six foot one, two fifteen, blur of a safety. I mean, this dude is just somebody who can play downhill or I think can play the deep half. So I love their first four picks despite going fit despite picking at 53, 73, 77, 96. Close out the draft. Eric Johnson, D lineman, Andrew Ogletree, a tight end. Curtis Brooks out of Cincinnati. Then Rodney Thomas, another linebacker, this one out of Yale. What are your thoughts on this class? I think it's
1: solid. I think getting Bernard Raymond that late is excellent for the Colts. Getting Nick Cross, you know, you traded some draft assets for Matt Ryan. You didn't have a first-round pick. Jelani Woods is interesting because you have Mo'Ally Cox, and they're very similar. That was kind of like his True. comp just because they're gigantic athletic tight ends. So 12 personnel packages with those two was going to be a lot of fun at some point this season. Eric Johnson out of Missouri State, the defensive tackle, is a five-year player. And he went to the senior Bowl, and I thought he was solid down there. But other than that, I don't really have much. I think it's a pretty solid draft to to help them compete this year, which they're in full competition mode right now with their current roster and Matt Ryan at quarterback.
2: Yeah, and Alec Pierce really should help them, I think. So we'll see what happens there. All right, moving on to the Jaguars. this is <laughs> this is the worst class, I think. just considering the capital they had, Nick, I just, I can't believe it. So we start with the gift of all gifts from Trent Baalke, taking Trayvon Walker at one overall. And then by gift, I mean gift to Giants fans. Because if he doesn't go at one, I think he slides all the way to five where the Giants don't want him and then all the way to seven. And that just means they're not getting Thibodeau. And if this was a good GM and he took Neal because you have Trevor Lawrence here and you have freaking Cam Robinson, who's not even that good at one of your tackle positions and the other tackle spot isn't great either. And yet they just don't take him. They take Trayvon Walker, just pure gift for the Giants. Then they trade up for Devin Lloyd. Like, if you're going to trade assets to move back into the first round for a linebacker, he better fucking have the Luke keekley profile. This is my opinion. He better have that if you're trading assets. And I don't think this guy has that. I don't think he's going to be. He's a good player, Devin Lloyd. I get it. Some people thought he was top five, top ten, because just because of, you know, I guess the time of the year. Because by the end of it, no NFL teams did because he kept falling and falling. And I think he can be a good player for them. I don't think he can't. but. I don't love trading assets and Luke Fortner, a guy we like at 65 overall and Chad Muma, who we like at 70. But you already just took Devin Lloyd. Like, I just don't You've let Miles Jack go, who was great. I just don't understand what they're doing here philosophically. Snoop Conner running back out of Mississippi at, at in the fifth round. Gregory Jr. corner in the sixth and Montreuk Brown, a corner in the seventh. I mean, look, they came into this draft with more capital than almost any team, and all they do to come out of this, all they come out of this with, is Walker, Lloyd, Fortner, and Muma as the big plays here. I just I don't see it.
1: I think it's okay, but you signed Aluakon, the Falcons linebacker, to a really big deal in free agency, and then you go and you sign Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. And I'm not against that because I actually like Lloyd not necessarily there i had a second maybe even a low second round grade on. i was lower on all these line all those top end linebackers this year but i love the fact that they got chad muma i believe they traded up to do that as well snoop yeah. connor
2: to trade up your linebacker
1: love luke fortner love luke fortner trayvon walker look they have a plan for him i wouldn't have went in that der- when you're not that productive it's very hard to justify that but they're looking at this draft class like we don't We think he has the highest ceiling and we think we can unlock that ceiling. So best of luck with that. Snoop Connor is a physical, very physical downhill running back out of Ole Miss. He was fun to watch. I watched the Ole Miss bowl game from 2020 against Indiana. And you could see him just barreling over dudes. It was pretty impressive. Gregory Jr. I liked what I saw from him down at the Senior Bowl out of Wakita Baptist. He uh, was pretty good at press. For the, I mean, this is a guy coming from a really small school, and he's sticking on these guys from Power Five conferences in press coverage and, and showing some physicality. So you get that in the sixth round as a developmental pick. Don't hate that, but overall, I mean, it's okay. It's not too. I'm not too enthusiastic by it, but it got some of my guys, in Muma and Fortner, which I don't want to really give it a bad grade because of that
2: yeah they are good guys and i love that they got your guys and i i can understand decent value there though i don't like trading up for line breaks but look the the problem for me is this you have trevor lawrence things didn't look good with lawrence last year i guess you can convince yourselves oh we signed enough of these free agent wide receivers like (laughs) christian kirk evan ingram and the other idiot they got from zay jones like that i guess that fixes it but their line was a disaster last year, and it looks like it's going to be a disaster again, their offensive line. What the hell are you doing? You just got Trevor Lawrence. This is not the way to do this thing. And I just, I just, with all that capital, they can't even come away with any of those tackles, any of the three tackles. It just, to me, it's just crazy. I just wouldn't build a roster like this. Um, let's get on to another draft that I think a lot of people love, especially when you consider how late they were drafted and they were picking in every round. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Trent McDuffie at 21 overall. A lot of people had him as a top 10, top 15 pick. It's a little weird because he's a zone guy and Smacks doesn't play a lot of zone. I'm curious what that, what's behind that. Kerloftis at 30. A lot of people, again, had him as a top 10 player, top 15 player. I don't think me or Nicker was high in him, but six foot four, 275 to me is prototypical four, three, you know, even front edge. And that's what the Chiefs are going to play. Skymore at 54, really like that. A lot of people had a first round grade on him. Brian Cook, the safety at a, since he thought was a sleeper at 62, Leo Chanel at one Oh three. God, that's value. I mean, I guess people are like, Oh, we can't cover. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. We'll see how much that matters. I don't love the system fit. I want him to go to an, to an odd front team like the giants. And I really, you know, after the giants went McFadden, I was pretty convinced that if Chanel was there in round four, they would have taken him over Bellinger. We'll never know for sure. Even though they like Bellinger, I think they would have taken him with their next pick. We'll never know for sure. Then Joshua Williams, the corner out of, of, of Fayetteville State, who we literally had uh, on Trevor Sycamore, and he was like, this is my guy this year. The one guy, this is my guy. I watched his film. He's awesome. 6'3", 195. He thought he was day two worthy. Got him at 135. Darian Canard, what the hell was this? 145 overall, and they get Darian Kennard at 145. How the hell did they do that? He's 6'5", 345. Kentucky offensive lineman, me and Nick, were talking about him potentially the Giants in like round three range if he kicks inside to play guard. Jalen Watts in the corner of Washington State in round seven. Isaiah Pacio, some people really like as a sleeper running back out of Rutgers in round seven. And Nazi Johnson, the safety at of Marshall. What did you make of this class?
1: Yeah, this is a top two, top three class right here. You give Steve Spagnola so many assets to help really bolster up that defense that was at times problematic last year. Trent McDuffie will really fit into his scheme, I believe. I mean, yeah, he played a lot of zone. I think he's one of the smarter cornerbacks in the class. I still think he can play man coverage. Love the pick of George Carl at that point of the draft. Love the Brian Cook and Leo Chanel picks. And then you look at what they did with Sky Moore. I mean, Sky Moore was, what, the 13th wide receiver selected? He was definitely better than... 12 other wide receivers in that class, right. like some of those 12 other wide receivers in that class. And I think you put him in this offense with Patrick Mahomes, you're, you're really starting to cook. And I know they lost Tyree kill. He's not Tyree kill. You're not going to replace Tyree kill, but this is a, a really good wide receiver that you're able to add on to your roster and you don't have to spend huge capital on him. And then developmental picks like Kennard just, kind of like Trey Smith last year, you know, they, they get Trey yeah. Smith and he ends up stepping in. I can see Kennard doing the same thing at guard, but he's going to have to fight for that because I don't believe they have a pressing need on the interior. And I don't think he can play tackle. So overall, this is a really, really good class.
2: Well done by the chiefs. I'm going to probably place a chief's future after we wrap up this podcast. Cause they, you know, I just love, I love Ben on the homes. All right. Chargers time team. I really like as well. Zion Johnson, 17, they were messing around. There was some discussion. They were going to do it. They don't mess around. They they have Justin Herbert. They're not going to screw this thing up. they get Zion Johnson. They'll help him out. They get another lineman one year after getting Rashawn Slater. Kudos to you guys. Good job there. JT Woods at 79 overall. They didn't really have many picks in this class. I don't know exactly what happened to their second round pick here, to be completely honest, or but I'll, I'm not sure. You'll have to remind me. JT Woods safety at a Baylor. I didn't love him. I know a lot of people thought he was a good player for sure. I watched just a little bit of him when I was watching Petrie. Didn't flash to me. Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller fell all the way to 123 overall. I don't like Spiller. I talked about it, but you know, at 123 overall, it's not horrific. Uh Otito Agajabona, Agbon Agbonita, <laughs> Agbana. <laughs> I don't know. Defense lineman at UCLA. Jamari Sawyer at 195 overall. Remember when we were talking about Sawyer, the offensive lineman out of Georgia, six foot four, three twenty five, as a guy who could kick inside and help the Giants and guard in like day two? Well, he falls all the way to 195. The Giants clearly didn't like him. They didn't take him for any of those picks. Uh, Jasir Taylor, corner out of Wake. Deion Leonard, corner out of Mississippi. And then Xander Horvath a running back out of Purdue. What do you think of this class?
1: So the second round pick was included for the Khalil Mack trade. Ah, that's, that's where that right. went. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Damn, Mack yeah. and J.C. Jackson. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's it's ridiculous, not to mention they have Joey Bosa. But anyways, Zion Johnson, you love that pick. You get JT Woods. I think he's a rangy safety. Maybe needs a little bit more physicality, but put him over here with Brandon Staley. I think that's a really, really good addition to that defense. I think this was perfect value for Isaiah Spiller. Ogbanya, a good defensive lineman who can occupy some space, which is important for the Staley defense. And then my favorite pick, one of the best values of the draft is Jamari Sawyer. at this point. This is a developmental guy who, who possibly could start for you on a defensive, on an offensive line that struggled last year. Now you have Rashawn Slater. You bring in Zion Johnson. I'm not sure who is Storm Norton. Is he still going to play right tackle? Cause I know he was kind of a liability last year for them. They still have Corey Lindsley. Matt Filer really came along last season. So you're really starting to solidify that offensive line for Justin Herbert, so I like this draft class overall. It's it's not too flashy, but it's definitely going to be effective.
2: Love that call by you as Sawyer is maybe the best value in this entire class. If you just look at what he did in the college football uh, playoff against Aiden Hutchinson, who's supposedly the best player in this class, though I don't agree with that. It's He did a really good job against him, and now he's going over a board at 195. Rams come up here the Rams first pick of the draft at one Oh four. Obviously they made headlines on draft night when Sean McVay was caught laughing at the Patriots taking, um, uh, what's his name from, from Chattanooga, the offensive lineman, Cole strange, Cole strange in round one. They're like, damn, we wasted our time scouting him. we thought we'd get him at one Oh four. They take Logan Bross, the offensive lineman out of Wisconsin instead at one Oh four. They've had a lot of success taking offensive linemen from Wisconsin that fall in the draft. I like Russ, I thought he was a sleeper in this class. I didn't want to talk too much about him in the pre-draft process, Nick, because I already talked so much about Chanel and Ferguson. I felt like I was going to really be labeled a homer if I went that deep, but I thought it <laughs> was a good peek. The Kobe Durant, the corner in the fourth round, but Kyron Williams, who a lot of people loved running back at Notre Dame at 164. They love their running backs here for the system. Quinn Lake safety at 211. Darian Kendrick corner to Georgia. Daniel Hardy, Ross Yeast, the kicker. And then AJ Akuri, an offensive lineman at of Michigan State, who does have some decent traits at six foot seven, three twenty, at least from a frame standpoint. What
1: would you make of this class? A lot of these guys I don't know too much about, but I think getting Kyron Williams, who tested really poorly at the combine is smart just because this is somebody who was going to be a receiving threat out of the backfield who's excellent as a pass blocker it's not all that explosive he's not going to be the fastest and i felt like his film kind of translated to whatever he ran it was like a four six something it wasn't all that great but i still think he's a pretty solid football player when you watch notre dame's film so you get him in the fifth round i think that's solid value and then darian kendrick is somebody that i studied this is somebody who was highly recruited out of high school he went to clemson and then he left the clemson program transferred over to george Georgia and helped Georgia win the national title this year. He showed up to the combine though, and he ran like a four eight or something. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was really, really bad. So a lot of people were like, this guy might not get drafted, but when you watch this film, you're like, Oh, this guy has some, has some real traits to him. So I think smart teams like the Rams will not look too much into the 40 time and maybe trust GPS time. And, Cause he doesn't look four eight slow. Like he doesn't look like that at all. Right. So they, possibly got a value there in Darian Kendrick and those are really the only two players I have too much on I didn't watch much, many of the other players here so I, I don't even really feel comfortable giving them a grade but the fact that they don't have a lot of draft assets because they traded for Matt Stafford and they ended up winning a Super Bowl because of that like screw the draft grade you got a Super Bowl because you traded yeah, some of exactly those top this drafts.
2: is not a team that's looking to build through the draft so they're trying to win in another way and they so far have obviously Stafford in my opinion played a big role in that Move on to the Raiders, a team that I don't even understand how, where their draft capital went. Their first pick was at 90 overall, and then they just have a couple fours. Like, I know they traded for Adams with one of them. Where's the second round pick? This team is just such a freaking disaster. They didn't pick up the option on any of their 2019 first round picks. One of the worst first rounds I've ever seen. Jacobs was never worth taking in the first round. He's not a special running back prospect at all. Clint Farrell and then the, the, the kid who does the safety, who just is only good moving forward. He, forget his name. The kid from uh, Mississippi or Mississippi state. Abram. Abram. Maybe. Yeah. He's yeah. not picked up. So may, if you want to talk, you know, any DG defenders, they've got defenders point to this GM, Mike Mayock. I mean, he did find Max Crosby and, and uh, Hunter Renfro. Good job there. But man, has he wasted some assets? So they start their draft at 90 overall. With an actual steal here, Dylan Parham, a player we talked a lot about, the offensive line out of Memphis, we liked a lot at ninety. Then another guy we liked, Zahir, Zamir White at one twenty-two, the running back out of Georgia. I mean, you look at that profile, man. If White can stay healthy, heesh. Neil Farrell, another guy we like at one twenty-six, a D lineman out of LSU. Then Matthew Butler, another D lineman, this time out of Tennessee. Thayer Munford, an offensive lineman out of Ohio State. Brennan Brown, a running back out of UCLA. That's how they close this draft out. I'm definitely concerned about this offensive line moving forward. Um, and overall, this draft, I mean Parham should help, but overall this draft for what they had, I thought they did a good job. Just not many assets.
1: Yeah, not many assets. You
2: include Devontae
1: Adams in this and you kind of get a better view on the entirety of the class. But I do love the Dylan Parham pick. I like the Zamir White pick a lot. Love Zamir White, just those medicals have to clear. And I was a big Neil Farrell Jr. fan as well out of LSU. I think he has some pass rushing upside. And I Matthew Butler. I watched this film. I liked Neil Farrell better, but you still get another defensive tackle who has some flash, some explosiveness, some burst, all those things. I thought Munford, I watched this film at Ohio State. I didn't love him, but at this area of the draft, why not bring him in? He was a huge team leader up there for the Buckeyes. So overall, I, it's okay. So like maybe like a C if we're giving a letter grade to it.
2: All right, moving on to the Dolphins, another team without many assets, because obviously, as we said we'll do, we'll include, they got Tyreek Hill. So Channing Tindall at 102 overall, love this pick for them. The Georgia linebacker loved him in this class. Eric Ezukan, uh, Ezukanma, the wide receiver at Texas Tech at 125 overall, six three two twenty. I didn't really watch him at all. I'm curious if you have any take on him because I was intrigued by that. They only have four picks. They went Cameron Good, the linebacker at a Cal, who I thought was kind of more of an old school type of player in the seventh round. Skylar Thompson, the quarterback at K State, who is a Mark Schofield favorite. Is a Matt Waldman favorite. I think Waldman even has him like top in this class. That's how he went out on a limb there. Um, so I like that decision as well as the Valmental guy. What are your thoughts on this class?
1: I mean throw Tyreek Hill into it
2: obviously that's the big addition
1: that costs a lot of this
2: draft capital
1: love Channing Tindall he could be one of the fastest linebackers in this class could be a real impact type player but I don't have anything on the Texas Tech wide receiver nor do I have anything on the California outside linebacker and Skylar Thompson I watched a little bit of his film get him in the seventh round I mean that's that's fine right there you're not really too certain about Tua not that Skylar Thompson is going to necessarily push him for the job immediately or anything like that but you might want some quarterback insurance because of that so overall I mean. I mean, they did what they could with their draft picks and could have found a defensive impact player in Channing
2: Yeah. Moving on to the Vikings, we didn't like their trade, but I think they ultimately did a good job despite trading despite not maybe getting great value from that trade with the Lions losing 12 overall. I was a big believer that there weren't really that many, unless you consider Jameson Williams a blue chip, which I think is fair to say maybe, but they didn't need him at receiver. There weren't really many blue chips left. Instead, at 32, they get Lewis sign, who could, you know, be argued as in the same would be, you know. If somebody took him at 12 or where they stood, some people would be like, oh, that's a crazy reach. They might argue he's one of their their best players on their board in that range. So I love that pick sign at 32. Andrew Booth at 42. We talked about him a lot already discussing the Giants. They go D-backs twice in a row. The, 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 nobody drafts D-backs more than the Minnesota Vikings, even with the new regime and Spielman out of there. They're still drafting D-backs at a crazy rate. At 59 overall, Ed Ingram on the offensive line. I thought this was a little early. I'm curious to get your take there. Brian Asamoah, a linebacker out of Oklahoma. I get the point. You're kind of just betting on traits there, but there were some question marks there too. Caleb Evans, corner out of Mizzou at 118. Ezzy at, at Mayo, D-Lineman out of Minnesota at 165. My boy Ty Chandler at 169. Freaking love this pick for them. Perfect fit for that system. And Dalvin Cook, you can get out of his contract in 2023. And Madison's going to be a free agent in 2023. Just keep that in mind. Madarian Low, the offensive line at Illinois, 184. I heard some good things about him, by the way, but he doesn't. And he's six foot six, three twenty. So it's a developmental pick, which I like there. Jalen Naylor, wide receiver at Michigan State, and then Nick Muse, tight end out of S, uh USC or South Carolina. I'm sorry. What were your thoughts on this? I think it's a solid draft. I mean, you bring in Ed Donatel to be
1: your defensive coordinator. He's a disciple of Vic Fangio. So you want to upgrade and get the players in your secondary that can run the system, pattern match, cover four type of match system where you need smart players. And Louis Cien really fits that bill. Andrew Booth really fits that bill. I think Brian Azamoa is a fast linebacker. You can play in nickel and dime type of packages, early downs. I mean, he can have success, but Once somebody climbs up on him, he's done. He gets driven way out of the screen. Caleb Evans is another cornerback who is long and physical. That's something that they also like. And then Ty Chandler and Jalen Naylor are two players who can really help the offense, who bring an element of speed and burst to the offense. I think Jalen Naylor specifically is somebody who probably wasn't maximized out there at Michigan State, but he's a fast explosive type of wide receiver who could find the field when you look at the Vikings depth chart. They're probably going to run a lot more 11 personnel. And you have BC Johnson who's coming off of the injury, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, obviously, and then KJ Osborne. So Jalen Naylor could find his way in there with an injury if BC Johnson isn't fully back. You still have Amir Smith-Marset from last season. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him with some injuries rise to the occasion and, and just add an element of speed to help open things up underneath for maybe Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen.
2: And what about your thoughts on Ed Ingram in the top 60? What did you make of that pick? I mean, he's a powerful dude. He has some sketchy past as
1: well, which I'm not really 100% certain how that played out. But I'm guessing they did their due diligence. I thought he was a good football player, though. Powerful at the point of attack. Put him next to Christian Derisaw, and you have a pretty powerful left side of the line of scrimmage. So I don't necessarily hate that at that point of the draft. I mean, I had him kind of clumped in there with like the Dylan Parms of the world and and players like that, but Ingram offers a little bit more just play strength than some of those other guys.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. We move on to the Patriots, who I think most closely resemble what Joe Shane did with the Giants in the sense that, obviously, after the two of the top six, that Shane was just kind of, I don't want to say fell into his lap, but it was easy for him, let's be honest. He went against consensus and that's something the Patriots do. And they're a great. This is a great example of like, look, the Patriots are drafting to fit their system. Same thing the Giants did. That doesn't make it a bad pick necessarily. It's riskier. That's for sure. But it doesn't make it a bad pick. And so Cole Strange in round one at 29 overall, everyone went nuts because a lot of people had him as like a third round pick. But you watch Cole Strange. And he looks pretty freaking awesome on film. Like I was the player who I'd, who I'd mocked the Giants. So I was like, damn, this dude explodes off the snap. And he's 6'6". So it's like traits are there as well. And they might feel like they can have him, you know, grow into his frame. He's only 300 pounds right now at 6'6", which means, you know, he still has room to grow there. Taequann Thornton at 50 overall. Some people might call that a reach. I don't. I love Taekwon Thornton. Obviously, we went over that a bunch. Thought he was the best value before the draft. Now that he's taken at 50, maybe not the best value after. Marcus Jones a player who I loved at 85 overall. He's 5 foot 8. That's basically the only knock I see on him. I think essentially except for that, he's a ball player. He's going to play nickel for them and he's going to be a return guy on special teams. He'll help them win games. Jack Jones, corner at Arizona State at 121. I don't know much about. Pierre Strong, running back, 127, uh South Dakota State. Really explosive player. That was really fun to watch on film. They love drafting running backs, man. They love adding running backs after Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson. They go back to the well with another fourth round pick. It's amazing. Bailey Zapp at a Western Kentucky to develop as a quarterback in round four. Kevin Harris, running back at of Carolina, 283. Sam Roberts, Jason Hines, and Andrew Stuber, who might be an interesting player to develop there at 245, 6'7, out of Michigan. What are your thoughts on this class?
1: Well, Cole Strange was definitely probably the most entertaining part of the draft because a lot of people had a third-round value. But this is the Patriots. They've done this in the past with Logan Mankins. They selected him. Everyone made fun of him. Logan Mankins ends up becoming an all-pro type of player. For them, Tyquan Thornton, that might be a little bit premature. But what does Mac Jones need? What does that offense need? They need speed. They need players who can take the top off of defense. They don't have anybody like that. So the wide receiver run probably forced their hand a little bit. They traded up, and they selected Tyquan Thornton. And Marcus Jones is really interesting, Dan, because – who did the AFC East just gain in the offseason? Tyree Kill. Ty Tyree Kill. So you need somebody who can cover Tyree Kill. You need somebody with insane speed. Marcus Jones possesses all that. Not to mention he has the special teams down. You know, Joe Judge absolutely loves those picks, <laughs> you know, because this is somebody who was probably the most electric returner you'll ever see in college football. And also, man, who was the, they, they drafted somebody like five or six years ago out of Alabama who was an undersized kick returner who didn't necessarily work out. I don't think that's going to happen for Marcus Jones, though, at the cornerback position. I think he can see the field as a cornerback. He's feisty enough. He's good enough in coverage, man coverage, disruptive enough at the catch point. We talked about that on previous podcasts. And then I also think he's going to be big on special teams. And then the running backs, I mean, I like Pierre Strong Jr. from what I've seen, but he, you, they kind of have a deep running back room, but that's the Patriots are going to find their players. They probably only had like 30 dudes on their draft board and they got half of them right here. So I don't really
2: have much on the back end guys though. And now we move on to the Saints, a team that I think was saved for a while by having Drew Brees and Sean Payton, one of the best offensive game planners, one of the best offensive game, uh, offensive play designers and play callers. And obviously Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks of the last decade and a GM who just, in my opinion, has, won and defeated this NFL salary cap. That's the best way I can describe it. He understands the process, in my opinion, better than anyone just constantly being over the cap and then somehow getting under it constantly. This is like over a decade now and just keep pushing that shit back. What's, what's going to happen. What's the worst that's going to happen. You have a total bottom out year, and then you get the number one overall pick in a class that might have Joe Burrow. That's the worst that's going to happen. Like I just don't get it, but no teams are doing it really as well as they are. But they have hubris like they obviously have Mickey Loomis has hubris. He essentially, according to, you know, the as you total it up, he essentially ends up trading picks number 98, 101, 120, a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 second round pick to trade up for Chris Olave. That's all the assets they gave up to get to the spot. They are to get Chris Olave, a receiver who to me just doesn't have elite upside. I like Olave a lot. I think he's much better on tape than people realize. I think he's much better in this class than people realize. I just don't see him being ultimately an alpha amazing receiver. And all those assets to get him is crazy to me. Then Trevor Penning at 19, not a huge fan of Penning, but obviously this is how they won drafting Taron Armstead in the third round, betting on traits. It's a similar type bet on traits pick to me um, as Armstead. Then they only had three more picks 49 overall, Alante Taylor, the corner out of Tennessee. I'm curious to get your take on him. He's an older prospect. Um, Some people say better in zone. DeMarco Jackson, a guy we liked at linebacker at Appalachian State in the fifth round, 161. And then Jordan Jackson, the edge in the sixth round. What do you make of what the Saints did in their entire class?
1: Look, I like Chris Olave. I like DeMarco Jackson. Trevor Penning, I understand it. But dude, like that is some terrible management of draft assets to be trading that much just to move up to get Chris Like I thought they might have had this huge, glorious plan in place. And they just didn't. They just traded a bunch of freaking draft picks to, to move up to get a wide receiver, who I really like. But that's just a terrible, terrible process, in my opinion. So I, I can't say that I really love this draft just because I don't understand what the heck they were thinking.
2: And then somehow, days later, they found a way to carve out $32 million to sign Tyron Matthew. Just amazing to me, the, the caps, how, the, the, how this cap works. But I'll never understand it, I guess, Nick. Um, let's move on to the Jets. Another team that I think have one of the best classes by far mod Garner at four Garrett Wilson at 10. And then they trade back up to end the Jermaine Johnson nonsensical free fall, just nonsensical to get him at 26 overall. I get it. He's an older prospect. I get it. He doesn't fit every defensive system. He's going to fit the jets. And I don't care how old he is. You can see it on the tape. He was one of the 10 or 15 best players in this class. They got three of the 15 best players in this class. Brees hall. They trade up for a 36. You might not like it, but It's not a bad range to take a player that didn't test too dissimilar to Jonathan Taylor. I don't think he's as good as Jonathan Taylor, but I see some similar traits with his patience behind the line of scrimmage with his ability to one cut and go. And in my opinion, he might even be a better receiver, but he's not nearly as strong or explosive as Taylor in my opinion, but still definitely a great player who can take it 80 on any snap. And that's what they want. The jets are going to establish a run first offense. That's what that 49ers based system is with Matt LaFleur last year. They were the second they had the second most neutral uh, second most run calls in neutral situations. That was cr- just that that tells you all you need to know about what they want to do there. Come back round three at the end of it at 101. They take a player. I wonder if the Giants would have taken if he fell 11 more picks where they ended up taking um, Daniel Bellinger. And that's Jeremy Rucker, the tight end Iowa Ohio, Ohio State. Nick loves him. Six, five, two fifty from Long Island. Got to go home there, essentially, to a team he grew up liking. Max Mitchell, I thought that was another good pick by them at six foot six, two ninety nine, a total developmental tackle prospect that could end up being, you know, a starter for them soon if things don't work out with Beckton or fan. And then Michael Clemens at 117, a guy I really liked that was just totally falling. I didn't really know why. I thought he was ready to contribute right away, six foot five, two seventy at a Texas AM. I guess there's not enough upside there potentially. And the same could maybe be said about Max Mitchell pick. Those are two really high floor picks at key positions. I thought this was one of the best classes, easily top five for me, probably top two or three.
1: Yeah, it's top two for me. And the Michael Clemens also had some off the field stuff that might have led to him falling. And dude, did you see, there was a clip going around from someone from PFF that was absolutely just eviscerating this draft class. It was a different perspective, but the guy got ratioed really, really bad, (laughs) but like, I think it is interesting. And I wanted to get your take on this because, yeah, I can go through these players. I like a lot of these players. I've watched a lot of these players. And one I haven't seen enough of is maybe Max Mitchell. All the players that they got, I really, really like. But I think Joe Douglas is kind of carving a little wrinkle here by trading these back-end assets, these fifth, these sixth, these seventh-round picks and some of these other picks that they had, trading up to get guys like Jermaine Johnson, trading up to get guys like Brees Hall because they didn't make a pick past the fourth round. Like that's not something we see all that often. I'm wondering if this is going to be something that's going to be copycatted by other general managers.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. On one hand, I look at it like never try to outsmart the room. But on the other hand, I'm like, when value like Jermaine Johnson falls, you're not outsmarting the room. You're just You're simply taking value that shouldn't be there. I think the same was the case for Jeremy Ruckert. But ultimately, if we look at the history, these fifth round picks and on don't tend to stick. They really don't. There's massive bus rates. So I don't hate the strategy. And I'm curious if you'll be right about that. We'll see. Move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers here, who at number 20 overall took Kenny Pickett. They, Despite all the hype that they were going to take Malik Willis, Mike Tomlin loved him. Nope. Turns out they like Pickett, who gets to kind of just go from playing for Pitt in college to now playing for the Steelers. George Pickens at 52. Love this pick for them. Thought he was one of the only true... Alpha upside wide receiver one types, the type of guy you take in this range that could be the DK Metcalf, that could be the AJ Brown type find Demarvin Leal Leo at 84 overall, such a Steelers pick here. At one point he was discussed as a top <laughs> five, top 10 pick. Obviously he wasn't as good in 2021 as 2020. They don't care about that. They think they can mold him and he just fits that defensive line and what they like to do so much. And then, Bet on Steelers receivers in your fantasy leagues when they take them on day three. They have an insane hit rate at wide receiver on day three. Calvin Austin, 138 overall. You know, almost 100 picks after Wandale Robinson. Connor Haywood, a running back in Michigan, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, but fine. Mark Robinson, linebacker in Mississippi. Chris Allodden to close out their draft, a the quarterback. They just really, I really like, with the exception of Pickett, I really like what they did in this draft. Yeah, I like this draft. I think it's funny that Malik Willis, that
1: was just all a smokescreen. They really wanted to go with Kenny Pickett. And there's two picks here that just scream. Well, actually, three that scream Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, I don't know why, but DeMarvin Leal and George Pickens, those guys scream, I'm going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler when I'm drafted. They were. And then Connor Hayward is actually Cam Hayward's younger brother by, like, I don't know, like seven or two. It might be eleven years. Like he's significantly younger than than his older brother Cam, so that's pretty cool. And they also have T.J. Watt and one of the other Watts, so I think that's also a pretty cool storyline. There's a bunch of brothers out there in Pittsburgh, and then you add Calvin Austin, who I loved in this draft class, who can definitely move. And people are like, "Oh yeah, he's undersized. He's probably just like a gadget." No, you watch him. That dude. That dude has real receiving skills. He has a release package. He can win contested catches. He is a very very. Developed player, so I, I also like that addition at that point of the draft.
2: Yeah, and that's you know Calvin Austin going 100 picks after Wano Robinson. It's mm. not to me on the surface; it doesn't look great. I'll be completely honest with you. I know they're different players; they're not exactly the same by any means. I just don't know that Wano Robinson is such a greater bet to be a hundred picks worth of you know value. Better, we'll, we'll see though; we'll find out. Um, Seattle Seahawks. We get to this draft finally after years of Russell Wilson clamoring for it. Well, whoops, he's gone, and they finally take an offensive tackle at nine overall on Charles Cross. Boy, Maffei, and edge that you liked a lot at 40. Kenneth Walker at 41. Man, as Pete Carroll as it gets here to go Kenneth Walker after re-signing Rashad Penny, just such classic Carroll. But then Abraham Lucas at 72. Can you imagine? Abraham Lucas was discussed by some people as a top 40, top 30. Some people thought he might sneak into the first round even. I never saw that. Plays from that Washington State system—that's a little scary—but has the traits for sure. Six-seven, three-twenty, and look—they got two similar type prospects. I think pass first offensive tackles there to bookend them. One year after finally losing Russell Wilson, they do it. Um, it's just crazy to me. I love what they did on day three, man. Kobe Bryant at one hundred nine overall—what a good pick that was. The corner out of Cincy, then Tariq Woolen falling all the way to one fifty-three at six-four-two hundred five of those kind of traits. Tyreek Smith, the edge out of Ohio, Ohio State, I'm sorry, Ohio State, who a lot of people loved and thought should have been a w- picked way earlier. Bo Melton, who I liked a lot in the seventh round, and then Derek Young. I really like what they did mostly on day three. Honestly, I really like this class outside of Walker, and I don't, and, and you know, you can debate Walker being a decent value there too, so I think they finally did a good job this year, after years of just being one of the worst drafting, if not the worst drafting teams in the NFL.
1: I agree. I really like this draft for them, and I do think it's funny that Russell Wilson leaves, and then they go and they address with two possible starters, both Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas can possibly start at tackle. And it's also funny that they both come out of the air raid system. I just think that's kind of an interesting little nugget. Mafe, that's scream Seattle Seahawks. Tariq Woolen, screams Seattle Seahawks. Ken Walker. Scream Seattle Seahawks. A lot of this just has Seattle seahawk vibes to it. But I think they added a lot of good football players who could make an immediate impact. The Seahawks will probably suck with Geno Smith and Drew Lock being the quarterback, but this is a good foundation for the future. And maybe Pete Carroll will be around for the future despite the fact that he's the oldest current head coach, but a lot of this has Pete Carroll's fingerprints all over it.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Moving on to the Niners, another team doesn't have much draft capital. Love their first pick, 61 overall Drake Jackson. Think he has some of the better edge upside in this class and you get him at 61 overall, then, you know, this is another team that just can't stop drafting running backs. They find a guy, they think they're going to love him. They think he's going to perfectly fit their system. And they can't really blame them after finding Eli Mitchell. But then again, they did trade two picks for Trey Sermon last year too. So it's like Tyrion Davis price, the running back at LSU. I did not watch much of him. He obviously has some traits, 6'1, 223, And San Fran knows what they want for that from that running system. Um, and it's so unique that it might work. Danny Gray, 105 overall. I liked him a lot as a sleeper. He got pushed up the board by the receiver run. Spencer Buford, offensive lineman, 134. Samuel w- Womack. Nick S- Sagedge, Uh, That's not the right way to pronounce a Gilge. Khalil, K- Kalia Davis? Who the hell are these guys? Tariq fields <laughs> to end their draft. And Brock Purdy. I forgot. They also got Brock Purdy at the very, I think the last pick of the draft. The cornerback. Yeah, yeah.
1: He was Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, this draft is uh, – I think it's okay in the sense that you get another pass rusher and Drake Jackson. You don't have a first-round pick. Get Danny Gray, who's a speedy type of wide receiver. And I don't know much about these back-end guys. I know Tariq Castro-Fields had some hype as like a longer, speedier type of cornerback, but I didn't really get around to, to watching him specifically, although I did watch a good amount of Penn State defense. The Tyrion Davis-Price pick was was kind of shocking on, on day two. I was like, why exactly? And I, I don't want to knock Tyrion Davis-Price from what I've seen. He seems like a solid running back, but why are you necessarily doing that and spending that kind of draft capital on him? That was a little hedge scratching and according to that chart that we broke down on, on previous podcast, and he was the biggest reach in the draft just before, I think, uh, Cordell Flott, who was the second biggest reach according to the draft board consensus chart put together by The Athletic and Arif San.
2: Let's go to the Bucks, who traded back to pick up assets out of the first round. Got Logan Hall. They continue to build that pass rush up, 6'6", 275. Luke Gottke, at 57 overall, guy who some people pinned to the Giants to play offensive line, replenish what they lost in Alex Kappa. Rashad White, this is one of their most intriguing picks at 91. If this guy can pick it up mentally faster than people think, I think he could be an asset and a weapon right away for Tom Brady as a pass we're catching back. Kate Otten at 106. A lot of people like for the Giants, a tight end at a Washington. Zion McComb at 157. This is my favorite pick by them in the draft by far. Six four two hundred has the traits to be an outside corner. Um, Jake Kamadra, I missed that one, the Georgia punter. Ko Keefe, tight end, Minnesota. Andrei, uh, Andre Anthony, Edge LSU. What do you make of this class?
1: I think this is a good class. Logan Hall's going to be that young youth that you need. On the defensive line, JPP is getting older. I don't think they've re-signed Adama Kansu. You can align him up in a lot of different ways. This is the first pick of the Todd Bowles era, so I like that addition. I think Luke Gedeke is somebody who, when I watched Bernard O'Reiman, I thought he was solid, like the Rashad White pick, like Cade Otten, He's going to play eventually. He's I am a calm, high-upsides type of guy. Get him with Todd Bowles, and I think this is a solid overall draft. I, I would say a good overall draft for the Tampa Bay Bucks, a team that, that is still in the win-now mode with Tom Brady
2: returning. And then we move on to the Titans. To me, this was the most interesting draft class by far, and I give them so much props because when you're in their position and they've put themselves in a salary cap spot that caused them to have to trade A.J. Brown by re-signing Ryan Tannehill, the supposed ceiling for Daniel Jones, which I've heard, and now they're want to get at Now it's like, well, what is that ceiling then? Resigning Derrick Henry, the supposed ceiling for Daquan Barkley, maybe? I don't know. They're not similar players at all, but I guess if Barkley reaches his peak, he can be as good as Henry. I'm not sure that'll ever. I think Henry's a, a unique specimen at that position. And now they're in cap hell. Instead of just doubling down on this thing and just continuing to build with this core, the Tannehill-Henry core, they're giving themselves outs within this draft. They trade away Brown instead of giving him that money, which they probably couldn't afford anyway without like going to crazy future cap hell. And so, they don't put themselves in that position. They take a player they really like, Traylon Burks, who I really liked at 18 overall instead. And then at 86 overall, they trade up for Malik Willis to give themselves a potential future focusing look. And everybody can say what they want about Malik Willis. Oh, look, see, the NFL teams didn't like him. It's the only quarterback I really took time for, Nick. And I don't care what anyone says, I'm sticking with my evaluation. He he by far and away threw the NFL throws better than anyone in this class. That's the outs 15 in the 15 in the intermediate range. He threw those way better than anyone and the deep passes. He threw way better than anyone in this class. He also has velocity to throw tight window throws at the next level. And he is an absolute playmaker when he gets in space as a runner. I get it. He came from a one read system. I get it. He took way more sacks than you want behind that atrocious offensive line, by the way, this past season, of Liberty You put the 2020 Liberty tape on with a little better team around him. And you see it. I thought this was the be- One of the best picks of the entire draft I'm sticking by. it. I don't care what anyone says. I just don't, I know what I'm looking for. He has the traits that win at the next level. And that's in between Roger McCreary at 35. Great pick Nicholas Petit Freer, the offensive lineman at Ohio state. They didn't watch him really at all. I know you weren't a huge fan, Sad Hatkins, Haskins at 30, 131, the running back out of Michigan. I know you like that. At 143, uh, Ch- Chiggy Okonwanu, Ak- the tight end out of Maryland. This screams Johnny Smith type pick to me and Delaney Walker before him. Same type of guy. They have their guy at tight end. I love this Titans class for the reason that just that I said mainly that they didn't double down and go all in or, and, you know, at the same time, they, they got players that can help them now, but at the same time with a future for, uh, a forward f- looking a forward future look as well.
1: I like this draft class. I really do. I mean, trading AJ Brown, that sucks. I think you have to weigh that in here, but you get Traylon Burks is
2: not a one-off,
1: but he is a playmaker who I feel like they'll use a <laughs> decent amount on offense. And then Roger McCreary is an excellent addition, supposedly according to Ron Schneier, right? Giants were interested in somebody <laughs> like that. And according it, it makes to sense, his sources. His sources, of course, Nicholas Petit Freer. I actually, I don't hate him. I just, he just, couldn't handle Aiden Hutchinson when Ohio State played Michigan, but he is a big guy. He's a really good athlete. He's just handling strength is a little bit of an issue. Love the Malik Willis pick, Hassan Haskins, Chigo Conquo. That's perfect call by you. That's Johnu Smith light kind of pick, and then I love Kyle Phillips. I got to ask you though before we get out of here, I forgot they got Kyle Phillips
2: too. I didn't see that in there.
1: Yeah, before I ask you, or I mean before we leave. Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill made some news yesterday about it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis, but if he learns anything good for him, what were your thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, I have no idea why people are making a big deal of that course it's not his job to do that his job is to help the titans win football games and he's still gonna help and if you actually listen to the quote it's not nearly as like what it made what people made exactly. it out to be so just terrible 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 job by people freaking out about that
1: <laughs> eh, of course. people are gonna freak out about anything
2: all right thank you all so much for tuning in we know this went a little longer than we promised but hopefully it gave you a good overall outlook of how the rest of the nfl is shaping up and how they did in the draft in relation to the giants more content to come take it easy have a good rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon